Good morning, everybody. Hey, hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to Monday, April 26. Guess what? This is the last week of April and uh, the last week of the first month of the quarter. So we'll see how things work out today. Um, last week was, uh, uh, hey, a bumpy ride to say the least as we, as we closed out that week. Hopefully this week we'll see some better numbers in the marketplace. Uh, we continue to see earnings coming out. Uh, not much today, a few, few companies that you'll recognize as we get ready to talk to Dave in just a moment. Hey, but before we do, I just want to remind you again, the one thing that you can control within your portfolio is risk. So the question is, how much risk do you have in your portfolio? And do you know exactly what that numeric number is? If not, we need to talk. We need to look at and see what kind of risk you have in your current portfolio. Give us a call at 863-382-0037 to schedule your financial x-ray. Dave is coming up next. Looking forward to our conversation this morning. Light FM. Morning, all. Glad you're here today. It's 8.38 now. That's 22 before 9. As we always do this time of the morning, we double-check and see how your retirement funds are going or anything you've got invested on Wall Street. Time to check in on that today with the resources of Philip Statler from Statler Financial Services in downtown Sebring. Philip, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Dave. Hey, doing well today. I hope you had a great weekend. It was bright, shiny, a beautiful weekend to be outside, that's for sure. It absolutely was. Enjoyed my game of golf on Saturday, and unfortunately, like an idiot, I spent Sunday most of it inside cleaning house when the weather was particularly nice on Sunday. <laughs> so, setting the table on Wall Street, it was a resoundingly good day again on Friday. We're actually recovering from that hiccup we had the beginning of the week. Dow was up 227 points. Standard & Poor's up by 45. NASDAQ up by 198. You can't even tell we had a hiccup early in the week last week, can you? No, other than we were still down for a week at least. The Dow was down. Yeah, everything was down last week, week over week. So um, not by much, but still it was a red week. Uh, the other, we didn't talk about this before we went on there, but I will share this with you. Um, there has been a little bit of a um, concern that um, we, we had the, the, who was it? Came, oh, Goldman Sachs came out and said that they saw the largest net selling in five weeks, um, which is a little concerning. Yeah. Yeah, because you and I were both wondering what it was that was causing the sell-off on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Thursday and Friday were good. Like you said, it wasn't enough to... Uh, it wasn't enough to race Monday through Wednesday, but it was it was with one of those times that we were kind of sitting back and saying, well, it's it's a rebalancing. They're getting out of equities for some reason or another. And uh, it really wasn't explainable. And Goldman Sachs says it was the what largest net sell week in how long? In five weeks. So uh, <clears throat> so a pretty big. Uh, yeah, a pretty big sell down that last week for sure. <clears throat> Much as anything, I, I think I'm still racking it up much as anything to the fact that we don't know where we're going worldwide with the COVID thing. I mean, okay, fine, we're seeing our gradual upticks and everything. The talking heads over the weekend as far as the United States is concerned 
are saying that, you know, we're going to continue to have some more. We're going to continue to have uh, a gradual number of passings from COVID-19. But with the increase in vaccinations, plus the people that have already had the bug that have the natural immunity, we're getting to a point where it's less concerning than it was. On the other side of the fence, uh, you start getting over toward the other countries in the world like uh, India and Japan, uh, India and uh, Brazil, and they've got an absolute uh, major spike going on. So the world is not out from under this weed whatsoever. No, definitely not. I mean, India seems to be a major debacle in terms of the number of COVID cases. I mean, I saw a number like 350,000 um, pop up on a headline somewhere. I'm not sure exactly if you get a chance to dive down to see what time period that was. But um, the, the indication was because it was talking about oil. And India is the third largest um, user of, of oil. And so basically, I think it was indicating that the rising COVID there was going to shut them down from travel, too, which would then put pressure on oil prices to fall again. I was going to say that seems to be the pressure that's keeping oil prices down. I mean, it's still over $61 a barrel this morning from my quote, but it's kind of putting a cap on the demand because, well, Brazil, India, and a few other countries around the world that consume at least a pretty measurable amount of oil are going right into the kind of shutdown mode that we were having last spring. Well, that's true. And we continue to see that happen uh, in, in a lot of countries, though, uh, reading another article, uh, the EU wants to open up their doors and their borders to vaccinated American tourists. Uh, they need our tourist dollars over there. I was kind of wondering how long they'd hold off on that. I mean, they were tighter than the lid in a drum, probably longer than they had to be. Now, all of a sudden, they're saying, hey, y'all come, are they? Uh, that seems to be the indication. Um, obviously, they want to put into place vaccine passports. Um, so we'll see how that works out for them and what that means to us here in the United States. Understood. Start the morning out with the uh, usual government data dump stuff that comes out at 830. And our 830 report out of the government today was kind of a mixed bag. Durable goods orders over the uh, month of March absolutely el stinko compared to what they were expecting. They were expecting by my sheet 2.3% more. You were looking at a little bit less of an increase than that, but still both of us show it as a major miss. The durable goods, stuff that lasts, ordered by businesses around the country, only grew by a half a percent last month, and that's just an atrociously big mix, miss. Yeah, it really is um, when we look at what we're expecting at 2.2, 2.3. However, it is better than what we saw in the previous reporting period because it was down 1.2%. So uh, better than what we saw last time, but not as good as what everybody expected. At the very least, it went up to a positive direction. And the other thing that you got to throw in mitigating circumstances, everybody's been hearing about the shortage on delivery of new cars because, well, the chip shortage and other problems and labor shortages uh, and shipping problems coming in from the Asian rim as well for the, for the uh, international brands. Overall, durables, except for transportation, were expected to go up 1.6%, and that's exactly what they did. So it looks like the uh, durable goods thing was on target, except for stuff with four wheels on it. So you can kind of write a portion of the problem off to a, sept a sector difficulty, for lack of any better term. 
Yes, and that would then be a supply chain issue, right? They can't get the chips, which seems to be the major impact um, to getting new vehicles out and into the uh, showrooms. Understood. Uh, the other thing you had a tidbit on as well, that uh, I gather we've got one of our big companies in this country that's famous for doing a lot of junk overseas. They're going to be putting a big investment into North Carolina soon, I gather. We do. we got Apple making some major announcements to uh, invest a lot of money uh, to the tune of $430 billion to expand their U.S. footprint, uh, creating 20,000 new jobs, they say. Now, look, over the next five years, but one of the big parts of that was opening a new campus in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, they plan on spending just a billion dollars right there in Raleigh um, and creating 3,000 new jobs. So that's going to help North Carolina's economy for sure. Absolutely. North Carolina is known as a business-friendly state. It kind of backs up another sidebar article I was reading over the weekend about the exodus of companies and jobs from California with the tax climate there. You put two and two together, and, well, maybe there's the beginning of a trend toward the southeastern part of the country. Well, it definitely seems to be the case. I mean, we saw this earlier last year um, where we saw, actually probably starting in 2019, we saw an exodus from Silicon Valley down to Austin, Texas. So um, now it looks like they're expanding to some other locations. Yeah, business-friendly states for these big businesses. And all of a sudden, the big tech is really starting to become a major player. It's been a major player for a while, but it's starting to drive the economy more and more with every passing year. And a bunch of them going to uh, southern Texas, where Austin is kind of a tech hub. Now we've got North Carolina taking a big Apple campus. If I were a politician in California, I'd be kind of looking at my state budget and saying, what can we do, wouldn't you? Uh, definitely, I would. Not just California, but New York. Um, uh, you know, so that's just one of those things that uh, we'll, we'll continue to see that migration as long as the tax rates are so high in those in those states. Absolutely. Other tidbits before we get to earnings to start out this morning. Uh, Johnson & Johnson's vaccine is back in circulation with simply the label saying if you feel crummy, do something about it because there is that one in a million possibility of a, a problem with a, a blood clotting uh, syndrome. But the government decided the uh, risks were outweighed by the benefits. And uh, Moderna's vaccine, we don't have a supply problem all of a sudden in this country because we've got waiting lists for, you know, vaccine availability. But uh, at the same time, we were talking about the overseas countries that are having difficulty. The Sanofi people have been kind of drafted into being another factory to manufacture the Moderna vaccine. So our assuredness that we're going to have a vaccine supply, no matter what the demand situation looks like, is at least a case for optimism at the moment. Oh, that, that's true. I mean, I mean, that seems to be production now seems to be the issue, whether it's Johnson and Johnson or Moderna, um, you know, trying to ramp up and and get more and more of these vaccines produced um, to get them in the hands of practitioners that can then uh, distribute them. It seems to be kind of the key there. And so we, we're, we're glad to see that there is some more production coming in with the Moderna. Absolutely. Earnings season, we're starting to get into the meat of it because I looked at the listing and I like I had, had 120 issues with quarterly reports coming out today. A few of them, I know, come in before the market opens up. Have we got a good picture as to where we're going off of the earnings reports so far this morning? 
I'm not going to say a good picture, Dave. We only have a couple that came out before the market report this morning. Other than this, a, a blanket statement would be there's a lot of regionals that came out, regional banks that came out this morning. I don't I have de- I don't have really details, but I scanned the whole list, and uh, I didn't see any anything that uh, missed in earnings. They all beat on earnings. I didn't see their revenue numbers, but. Uh, but that's probably a, a good indication for the financial sector anyway, moving forward. Uh, the uh, actual detailed numbers I've got for Albertsons, the grocery store operator. Now they beat by nine cents a share. Um, and, and so good news there. Revenue beat also. However, um, their, their same store sales um, were, were falling down between somewhere six to seven and a half percent, which is much less than what, uh, Wall Street anticipated. And so uh, they're trading down right now a little over 3%. So uh, they're taking it on the chin based on same store sales. I wonder why. That's kind of interesting. Is grocery businesses generally did pretty well all the way through the pandemic. I wonder if they've got a, a store pickup delivery mechanics issue. Uh, maybe so. Uh, maybe that, that is an issue there. Um, but th- nothing, nothing really in the details that I can see so far. But that would that would be a, a true indicator if, if there's having issues with that that process uh, for it sure. Just struck me as interesting because that's the sector I expect to do well given the current health situation. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, then we had Otis Worldwide. They're the uh, the folks that make the elevators and escalators. Uh, they mm-hmm. beat by nine cents a share. Also, um, revenue came in above forecast. They raised their full-year guidance, um, so that's some good stuff there uh, for Otis. They're trading up, uh, kind of the opposite of, of uh, Albertsons. They're up 3.8% this morning. Cool. I see them toward the top of my big winner list this morning. And uh, once again, stereotypically, during a time where we've gone through a year of shutdowns and uh, slower business in offices, I would expect Otis to be the company to have some difficulties, but they're breaking it through. Well, I think so. I mean, you got from air construction still has been going wild over the last year, even though we've had COVID. So commercial buildings, uh, that stuff hasn't slowed down. So those things use elevators and escalators. So that's probably one of the things that's kept them going. Um, a matter of fact, they'll open at a new 52-week high today. Whoa. Well, like I said, I know they're up and they're at the top of my winner's list. Anything else we got before we go on to the summary? So the last thing I have for you is Pearson, and Pearson is one of those online education companies. Um, and so they saw better than expected profits this last quarter. Um, uh, digital sales of their course materials, their eBooks were all really good. Um, and so they are uh, trading um, up right now three and a half percent. Now they are actually that's a that's a live number because they are traded on the London Stock Exchange, not the U.S. Stock Exchange. So um, up three and a half percent right now. Uh, cool. So, yeah, good. All right. Resetting the table. It was an up day Friday on Wall Street by any measure. Over the weekend, the futures have been kind of herky-jerky, but they've been at a pretty narrow range. There's nothing really exciting has gone on over the weekend. Forty-five minutes before we open. What are we looking at so far, Philip? Yeah, we still got kind of a mixed bag. We got the Dow up uh, a little over a tenth of a percent. The S&P 500 is basically flat right now. And the NASDAQ is down a little less than a tenth of a percent right now. So that's the mixed bag. Let's just throw the Russell 2000 in there. It's actually up a half a percent this morning. So um, 
Yeah, that looks good. Hey, on the commodity side, uh, we got mostly red ink except for silver. Silver is basically flat right now. Uh, gold's down a tenth of a percent. And you can jump up and down and, and, and holler, Dave, because crude oil is down one and three quarter percent to $61.05 a barrel. Well, the, 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 I, you know, if it weren't for the reason of concerns over demand, I'd be cheering for stable oil prices an awful little bit this morning. But looking at the fact that it's expectations of lower demand, I'm not, believe it or not, I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying, Dave. You just can't please some people, can you? Asian rim markets overnight last night, generally off by a little bit, but not really precipitously. Europe is looking at our activity this morning, and they're up, but again, not by very darn much midway through their trading day. Stability and planning how much risk I've got in my portfolio can give me an opportunity to grow and a way to protect what I've got in my retirement fund as well. That takes advice. How do I find you to get that advice, Philip? Evan, give us a call at 863-382-0037 to schedule their financial x-ray because I feel it's vitally important that you know exactly how much risk you have in your current portfolio. Again, that number is 863-382-0037. Check out our website at statlerfinancial.com and then join us this weekend for the Statler Financial Radio Show, 6 a.m. and noon on Saturday, 10 a.m. Sunday morning on Highlands News Talk, 730. And right back here again tomorrow morning, same time on Light FM. Philip, thank you so much. We'll catch you then, all right? All right, man. You have a great day. Be well, my friend. It's 105.7 Light FM and Statler Financial Services. Philip Statler. From the pitch. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you again for joining us today. Um, I hope that your week is off to a great start. I would love for you to share this with your friends and family Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, however you do that type of thing. I would love to build our listener base as we talk about what happens every day in the market. Have a great day. I look forward to speaking to you again tomorrow. Take care now.